Welcome to the SASH Podcast, the Society for American Soccer History. I hope you can feel their Scottish accents in there when you read the recollection. It's more likely that they use a version of the game that was played at Princeton. In 1995, a woman who called herself Medi Honeyball formed the British Ladies Football Club. They interviewed him about his whole life. I mean, he just told his story in his own word. Welcome to the Society for American Soccer History's SASH session with James Brown, author of Mud, Blood, and Studs, One Family's Legacy in Soccer and Rugby Across Three Continents. Native of Scotch Plains, New Jersey, who now resides outside Paris, France, James has been the Society's Vice President for the past four years. Founded in 1993, SASH works to promote, facilitate, and disseminate research into the rich history and heritage of soccer in the United States. You can find us on the web at ussoccerhistory.org and join us on social media with our Facebook and Twitter accounts. If you'd like to join the society, please visit our website and do so through the Join SASH tab. Two brief announcements. Uh, I think we mentioned this last time, but the, the society now has not-for-profit status. So thanks to uh, the subcommittee who pulled that off. And then Ed Farnsworth just posted a, a rare 1908 Spalding guide, uh, courtesy of some scans from Dave Lang. So please check out that post and that addition to our virtual library. Now back to James. James, an all-stater from Scotch Plains High School who went on to play at Ryder University, is a technical writer by trade, but he spends all sorts of time researching soccer, a passion that literally grew out of his own family history. James is a community builder, not only here at SASH, but among those telling the stories surrounding the 1930 World Cup. James wanted me to make sure that I recognize the work of Zach Bogalki, who's been so instrumental in the making of mud, blood, and studs. James will take us through that journey during his book talk, but I want to highlight one particular moment. I interviewed James and his father, George, back in 2016. George is a fine storyteller in his own right, and among my favorite stories that afternoon was one told about a Christmas gift. Shaking this pretty heavy package, he knew something of weight was in it, and he rips off the paper and he discovers a manuscript one about his own family's sporting legacy. It was a touching moment. He called it one of the best gifts he ever got. And that was an early draft of this book project, a labor of love that a son gifted to his father. So it's an absolute thrill that we have James to tell us about that gift, not only to his own family, but to the American soccer history family. So over to you, James. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. It's been quite a journey, you know, to just to see, just to see where I am today and where I was in the beginning in 2015-16 is, uh, it's been quite a leap, you know, and, it, and and I love the fact that so many of you here have been able to to experience that with me, you know, uh, from the very early days in these conversations to to finally getting this idea published. It's a very humble and, and uh, I don't know, it's, it's very interesting when you grow up in a family uh, that have sports figures, whether it's, it's 
at university levels or pro levels, uh, no matter, it's, you always hear those stories. And often you don't read anything. And so at some point I just started to say, you know what? I don't want to just hear these stories be passed down anymore. I want to go and read everything that I can. And it was at a moment where I had a good amount of, of time where I could manage my day schedule as a technical writer uh, and spend every other waking moment researching in every method I could to, to be able to find out every team, every season, uh, every match that was played, every newspaper article from the home team and the away team. Because that gives some of the greatest uh, uh, perspectives of a match that real um, uh, full circle uh, understanding. So uh, that was really something special that I, uh, uh, I embarked on. And I was very, very fortunate. We talk about a lot of the, you know, the reasons and part of these, you know, a big part of it was hearing all the stories. So you, as you see here in these pictures, these are all this, the, the, the people that I heard stories about for the majority. You know, my dad and, and my grandfather and the top, and then these grand uncles who were goalkeepers uh, in the Scottish Premier League, you know, in the first division uh, back then. And then their offspring. So rugby internationals, uh, just lovers of the, the oval game and the round game. So that's what made me really want to know more, but even more uh, interesting and, and impacting was my son. You see, I wanted to be able to, to give him a very complete picture of the sporting capability and history. It turned out to be nearly uh, 100 years. Uh, I, I really didn't realize that we went back that far. So, you know, I, I had been helping my son with a, uh, just a, a Thanksgiving project over here, and he hadn't been to the States yet. And so I pulled some stuff together from our side of the family. And then, I, and then that kind of sparked this idea of, oh, wow, okay, I've pulled together these, these people in the family, but now I want to do it from a sporting perspective. So I really wanted him to, to have some type of a booklet or a pamphlet that talked about uh, our family's sporting history. So that's my son. And that's where, you know, I got to dig in through all of these, you know, great sites, Ancestry, Family Search. Uh, these are some of the, the best areas to go to. And here, you know, what's, what's really funny, if you, if you look at the, if you, well, if you remember the cover of the book, this was almost my original cover in the beginning that I had created. And like Tom was saying, uh, when I uh, was presenting uh, this, uh, this manuscript or this really rough draft of, of what I put together to my dad in, in 2016, this was what I, what I thought that it would look like, you know, eventually. So it wasn't too far. So that's always been uh, great. So, I started to talk to my dad and these conversations were in, uh, in Antibes, uh, in France, in the, on the, uh, 
the Côte d'Azur. So it's in between Nice and Cannes. So that's where, you know, it's lovely weather, fantastic, but I was pretty much, <laughs> I was just staying inside because I was talking to my dad all the time, um, asking him stories. As I was going through the seasons and the teams and the things that I was finding, I would call him up. Uh, little did he know, I had a huge pad of paper uh, with all my notes that I was taking, but I was also recording him because that was the best way to, to get that oral history, you know, get it really from him, directly from him. So, um, so that was literally a few times a day, um, often, you know, almost every other day or, or every three days. It was just, it was just something incredible for him to be able to, to dig back and find these memories. Now, even at that time, uh, my mom was very influential as well because she was able to tell me about the history, uh, you know, with the family on both sides uh, on, on in the, the U.S. and in Scotland. Her memory, even though she was suffering from Alzheimer's and uh, soon a form of dementia, um, her long-term memory was absolutely crystal clear. The way she was describing uh, what Troon was like uh, back in the, you know, in the, in the, in the 60s when they were there, it was like we really were there. So I was quite fortunate um, to have their input, you know, so I was able to, to, to record them. And then as you see here on the right, this is what I ended up with. All of, this was, this is a huge stack. And if you, you know, if you see right behind me here, um, that is the, you know, the thickness of all of those documents. You know, I just said, it, it, it's a shame to, to go through everything, to use everything, and then just to shelve it and put it away. You know, I really wanted to organize it and give it, you know, make it have more sense. Um, so as I started to dig and I was getting into to my grandfather's career in the New York, you know, with the, uh, with his time in New Jersey, New York, um, in the American Soccer League, I came across a, a podcast from David Kilpatrick. He was doing soccer off Broadway, if I remember correctly. Um, they were talking about the American Soccer League in the 1920s uh, and the iterations uh, that came. And David, started to mention an article that he had seen somewhere. He said, it, he said it, was, it was in his office, somewhere in his office. And this was back in like uh, 2016. And I'm sure he's still digging through his office to, to, uh, to look through it now, look for this article. And it was actually this article right here um, that I ended up finding um, from Colin Joe's who is a very good uh, friend of the family. And he sent me copies of his Soccer Star magazines. So here, talks about, you see, uh, David was talking about player right activism uh, in different forms, in different areas. Uh, and he mentioned, he said, hey, there was this guy, uh, James Brown, um, and he and the New York Giants went on strike. And he ended up holding out because he wasn't happy with the terms. So as you, you know, as you can see here, 
Bob Miller and Jim Brown, they were the ones that felt that uh, they were getting uh, they were getting shortchanged. So that just sparked my interest. Now, like, who was David Kilpatrick? And then that's when I started to hear about uh, more about Sash, even though my parents had been uh, working with the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Um, I didn't know as much as I should have about the Society for American Soccer History. So that's when I started to dig in. And then that's when I came across, across Zach's absolutely fantastic PhD paper about anything but ringer. And that is what allowed me to, you know, forced me pretty much to, to jump in with both feet, as I've said, for years. You know, he was really the, the one, you know, what he did, all the, the deep diving search uh, for information about these players and the context in soccer in the day was amazing. So, um, so that's when I started to get in touch with people like Tom, David, Zach, and Brian Bunk, you know, those were really the, the people in the beginnings. And I, I was starting to get that tingling feeling, you know, and saying, I'm actually where I belong. Because these people are just, just as, well, they are so passionate and I hope to become as passionate as they are. So that was a very um, eye-opening uh, moment for me. You know, I, I, I felt very honored to 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 get to know these people you know and just to see the work that they've done so then i started re, you know once i kept on going i was i was feeling my way around i was developing relationships with people like my friend dean lockyer who's woke up 19, 1930 project on twitter that's a huge resource for for finding everything uh, everybody just shares information um, about the, about 1930 for the most part. But if I was interested in going towards other teams like Brentford, Spurs, um, you name it, even like if I wanted to see New York Skeeters, there was information out there. And that was really a great resource. So all of these have been fantastic. Um, you know, this is... A bunch of these slides got recycled from a presentation that I did uh, back in 2018 um, in uh, in Manchester, and uh, but they've evolved, you see, because there there have been new ways of finding information. You know, I've learned that when I'm trying to find people who know more about a specific topic, you know, if they're in Europe, I use Rocket Reach. Uh, if they're in the U.S., I use Spokio. You know, Spokio, I mean, it's kind of scary about all of the information, public information that you can find about somebody. But it was actually some of the best because if I couldn't get to that person directly, I saw everybody who lived where he was living. So I was getting in touch with daughters, sisters, aunts, probably grandmothers and great-grandmothers and grandfathers. You know, I was bombarding everybody, and I still do. But you know what? I do it with um, with kindness, uh, even though I'm very direct, and it works. And I often develop really wonderful relationships uh, with the people who are helping to get me going and moving forward. So 
a lot of the um, a lot of the information I've been able to collect since 2015. If you see this here, um, things came from family. Uh, they came from online research. They came from my personal trips, uh, going out to to see people. You know, um, some people are, are are absolutely fantastic in in talking to you about family members. Uh, you know, I think it's it, it's kind of funny. Uh, in the end, now I know that my book has an impact because. Um, you know, within the 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 family, <laughs> I was actually I was actually banned from coming to Scotland. <laughs> a, a relative of mine said it in a very poetic way. Um, he felt that one of the stories that I put in there, um, you know, uh, about you know concerning our you know our relatives, wasn't exactly the way that it should be. Although. You know, there are two sides to every coin, you know, every story. So uh, when you deal with family and you're talking about professional athletes, always remember to have a, a, an impeccable trace of everything that you do. And one of the things that I did in, in in going and finding out about all of these players and these family members, I said, hey, listen, here's the text. Here are the pages of text that I have about your relative or you. Take it. Do what you want with it. Delete it, add to it, uh, validate it, just be great, and send me back your version. And then that way, I have my version, my rough draft, their version. And then there's the final version, you know, the, the, the actual printed version. So you end up with, with three versions, and that's important. So if you ever get in a, in a, in a, ruck, in a, in a rut or uh, uh, you're, ever, <laughs> you're ever confronted about certain facts in, in your book, especially when it concerns uh, family, then you'll be able to go back and just say, hey, listen, how it happened here's what i got and here's how it was published so and then we we go back and we we tweak a bit and the good thing you know I, i'm with uh, pitch publishing and they have been fantastic in the organization of the you know the the you know the the book illustration work um getting things ready informing me as a new author things i need to keep it you know uh, in check when i'm writing and going through it um i was very very fortunate and i came i came to know about pitch publishing you see for a few years uh i was just kind of sitting on the uh the this rough draft or this this manuscript you know all these notes turned into 80 pages or 120 pages or 150 um and then uh chris lee uh, who wrote origin stories from Pitch Publishing? He said, "Listen, I'm writing this book. I'd love to 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 get your thoughts about certain sections of the, of the U.S. Uh, chapter. I'd like you, if you haven't done anything with the book, I'd like to put you in touch with Pitch because I had a great experience with them. 
And I think that you could find what you're looking for because I had to compete. I had to compete with the idea of family history, soccer, football, and rugby on three different continents spanning over a hundred years. So that's huge. Who, you know, who can really take that in and make something good with it and, and, and have a really nice final product. Um, and I was very, very happy to meet with them and to start planning it. Uh, and that was really great. And I, and I also worked a lot with my father and my brother, David, um, in the early stages, thinking about uh, text and uh, and then uh, at the end of 2021, that's where I, uh, you know, I had been talking with a lot of people in Sash, uh, bouncing ideas, you know, back and forth. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And one of the relationships that I had um, constantly uh, was with Zach. And I said, listen, I really love your work. You know, uh, you were the, you know, your work inspired my work. And so I would really love to work with you. So if you're up for it, let me send you this, you know, um, this document. And I'd love to have you shred it to pieces and glue it back together for me, make sense of it. You know, because I, after a few years of, of writing this, uh, and letting it, letting it sit, you, you can't really see it anymore. Sometimes you can't even see the, the simple mistakes that are, that are just, you know, so obvious to, to a, you know, to fresh eyes. And Zach has had such great experience and, and, um, I just can't thank him enough for being able to, to absorb everything and then reconstruct it in the way that it would be the most presentable logically and to the audience, you know, um, one thing he had said to me, he said, listen, there are, um, there are areas it's not balanced enough. So we need to think about, uh, ways to, you know, you got a lot of soccer here and rugby seems just as important, but it's at this level. And how do we get you up there? or bring you down here. So either he's going to have to cut out the fat, you know, um, and that would have been really tedious to have to go through all that and decide what stays and what doesn't, or just build up the rugby section. So that's where I had an idea in January of 2022. You know, I'm within six months of having to publish this. And, uh, I, uh, I said, uh, I turned to my cousin and he was, uh, he's, uh, uh, Peter Brown. Um, he was the Scottish captain and he is still very, very in touch with a lot of his buddies, teammates, coaches, um, you name it, even opponents. Uh, and I said, send me everybody, you know, because I want to interview them. I want to get their thoughts on your, you know, spending time with you, playing with you, and your brother, Gordon Brown, uh, but also uh, your dad, because their dad, John Brown, who is my grandfather's brother, 
was a goalie for Clyde, and they won the 1939 FA Cup, Scottish FA Cup, um, beating Motherwell. And he and he ended up transforming into a physiotherapist after he was retired. So he ended up helping um, the Scottish national team and the British Lions. So, uh, so I said that would be so precious if I was able to uh, to get family and friends who were actually playing on the same pitch and were even uh, treated by Jock or were getting demolished by the baby-faced assassin, uh, Gordon Brown, you know, those are just the wonderful memories. And I said, I'll take all the information that I think is appropriate and stick it in the areas that, where it's missing, so I'll build it up. But then after spending like an hour and a half, two hours with these guys, like five or six of them, they were some of the most interesting, funny, uh, wonderful men I had ever interviewed. You know, I had the pleasure to talk with. Um, and their stories were just, and their personal memories about times with these relatives of mine were so wonderful that I said, I'm going to leave it as it is. I'm going to let them say it in first person. So I just went and transcribed everything, made it look pretty, but I kept it in the same language that they were speaking. So the slang they were using, um, whatever I needed to give it the most authentic voice. And I hope you can, you can feel their Scottish accents in there when you read the, the sections, the, the recollection sections. Um, and then slowly but steadily, rugby ended up coming up to the same level as, uh, as football. But then I said, oh my gosh. Okay, so I've done as much as I can for rugby. I got to do this for soccer. God, how can I, how can I not do this for you know for our you know for our guys? Um, so that was you know I was scratching my head. And I definitely have a have a lot more uh, bear patches, ball patches <laughs> because of scratching my head trying to to figure out people I was going to contact, you know, to interview and do exactly the same thing. So uh, you know, I just talked. I talked to my dad a lot and I thought about his, you know, the, his career or my, my grandfather's career and what they did afterwards. Were they coaches? Uh, did they work in, in, in other areas? Did they, live, did they live in other places? So going and exploring those experiences, post-career, um, maybe even trying to talk with teammates, uh, obviously not of uh, my grandfather, but my father. Um, so I was able to, to, to build up even more, just a bit more of the soccer part because I was able um, and to do this talking with a good number of people um, from National Soccer Hall of Fame days in Oneonta, the great good old days, um, my parents lived in Nova Scotia and he coached, uh, the, the high school girls team. Um, even people down in Texas, when he started the, the Inwood dads club, you know, uh, those things were, were, were interesting, um, 
interesting moments in our lives together. And I really wanted to, to, to get those souvenirs, those recollections from those people. So that was great. And just before was, I was um, going to publish it, I sent my dad uh, a almost final copy. So the final copy that he received had everything in it except all those recollections. Everything was, was cut out. So I, because I wanted him to have a, a final surprise because he had read everything. So I wanted him to get a final surprise once everything came out, you know, um, and just kind of going back where I, where I was evolving with, uh, you know, our time together uh, with Sash, uh, with the relationships that I've made, the research that I've done. Um, I love every single moment that I ha I've had to be able to develop with people. Um, you know, if you, if you look on this slide, it's, uh, it's, uh, family. These were, were family videos. So they're excerpts from these, these family, uh, films that we had uh, digitized. Um, there was the soccer X conference, uh, the virtual conference that I organized with my friends in South America, uh, and then people globally, uh, in uh, February, 2001, that was an absolute um, nerve-wracking experience, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I love being able to organize it and people together. Um, and then afterwards, it was about cultivating these uh, these relationships with people, you know, and and talking with people. Like Chuck Carlson, he was he he asked me about Ralph Tracy uh, from the nineteen thirty team, and was he actually born in Gillespie, Illinois? And I said, well, it's listed like that on Wikipedia. Uh, and then I go to the source of that, uh, th that, uh, that birthplace that's, that's marked in the notes. And it turns out it came from the original biography at the Hall of Fame. So, you know, even the, these, these, these early foundations, Sometimes they get things wrong. And uh, as it turns out, after doing a lot of digging and research, um, I found out that Tracy was actually born in St. Louis from baptism records that I found in St. Louis. You see? So, and there is absolutely no proof whatsoever that he was born in, uh, in Gillespie, Illinois. So uh, those are little things that, that, that I'm now going into. And I'm still, all of you who know me, in the, you know, uh, when we had the induction ceremony, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, uh, opening ceremony in 2018 um, uh, in Dallas, I, I did the presentation and I talked about, about the findings that I, that I come up with. And at that time, it was 11, 11 out of 20 family members of players uh, that I found. Uh, and since then, I'm up to, uh, to, to 15 out of 20. So where you see these little sash uh, markings here, uh, those are the, the new relatives or friends of 
And some are kind of, you know, some are kind of still being worked on, uh, like Elmer Schroeder. That's, you know, he's a tough one. Um, but James Gentle, you see, one, things I, one thing I realized is that his, his wife died early uh, in the 1950s. Um, his family, uh, you know, it's very hard to get in touch with, with them. They're actually the, the Widener, you know, Widener, uh, I believe, University. Uh, that's their family. Um, and what was interesting is that uh, one of the, his brother-in-law uh, is actually, was actually the, the founder of the Philadelphia 76ers. And I learned, I learned later on that James Gentle was absolutely passionate in his retirement days as a golfer. He was an avid uh, athlete in general. You know, he, he went to the Olympics um, and played field hockey. Uh, I found some footage uh, as well as uh, uh, images during his time there. Uh, so I actually called up one of the country clubs, the golf country clubs uh, in Philadelphia or just outside Philadelphia. And, if I, and it turns out there is a guy by the name of uh, Custis Swope. <laughs> yeah, I love that name. And the guy is like 90 years old. So the lady at the, at the golf club said, okay, here's his number. I give him a call. So I had an absolutely amazing conversation with Custis. And he just told me, you know, he said, listen, I can tell you everything else about James and, and very little about his, about his soccer career because he really didn't talk about it very much. Um, but golf, his passion for golf and sports and, 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 uh, he would always be playing a lot of sports with, with, uh, uh, with his wife, you know, tennis, golf, were always very competitive. And there was even uh, another, uh, the godson of James Gentle, who I was able to get in touch with because of Custis. You see, so it's, it's these other ways that you're able to get to that person, you know, to get as close as you can because there are no other relatives to really get in touch with, but there are the friends. And depending on what their other pastimes were, that can be very, very tough. So, um, so that's just one story. And, uh, and there are so many that I'm, I'm, I'm discovering and, and trying to rectify and uh, talking about Tom Flory, the fact that he had like three versions of his name his last name spell. And he was born apparently uh, between 1897 and 1902. You know, how do you do this? Well, when your parents uh, are, were immigrants who were not very well educated, uh, and back then you didn't need uh, a lot of identifications during these census reports uh, that were coming out, they were just saying, okay, it's our name and it's how we spell it. And you know what? That name was changing at least two, three times until Flory actually ended up adding an IE, you know, an IE at the end. Uh, because when I was uh, in the U.S. Uh, just uh, about two weeks ago, uh, over the past two weeks, I went to the Trenton Archives, and I was able to to find out, uh, digging through their microfilms, that Flory was born in 1899. 
And because I actually, we actually found uh, the baptism record from a church in Newark. And I didn't find his specific one right away, but his brothers and sisters who had been baptized there. So I had two churches to go to and was able to, to, to narrow it down. And then we went into that church and found, and found his baptism record. So that was an absolutely wonderful moment, you know, to be able to go into those physical archives. And they were just as passionate as I was. So that's been my journey. And I really hope that, you know, what our family has, has experienced in sport and life. Um, and even though, you know, we talk about ourselves growing up and, and, and the people that we had absolutely amazing uh, times with, and, and they were essential in, in helping us become who we are today. You know, uh, I guess, uh, my high school coach, uh, Tom Bresnitsky, and him absolutely crushing you and making you work harder than you ever have because it was so important. And all those values that we were, that we were uh, able to forge during those high school years, and even in the intercity uh, days as well, in the, in the 1980s, uh, those were really, really important. And I, I would love to, to say that uh, what we were taught was, was able to give me the focus that I needed today. So uh, just so you know what's coming up next, um, since I had been, uh, you know, I've been connecting with a lot of these families that I told you about. Uh, so now we're up to, to 15 out of 20. And within these families of the 1930 players, uh, there were a lot of family, there are a lot of photo albums. And um, I was able to acquire uh, or get access to a number of, of albums. And, you know, people like Zach, uh, you know, going out and meeting families like the Wood family, having that scanned. Uh, I went to, uh, uh, to Ireland uh, and met with the family of Jack Cole and was able to, uh, to initially scan that album. But then I actually found and purchased uh, a second scrapbook that Jack Cole had actually produced. So I have that here. Um, and what, what, what I'll be doing is creating a coffee table book uh, talking about the 1930 team's journey from Hoboken all the way down to Montevideo and back. Uh, it will be... Uh, a wonderful timeline going down uh, with, you know, captions, trying to talk about what they experienced, you know, on the way down on the SS Monargo, uh, and then heading to Brazil and then down to, uh, uh, to Montevideo and that experience through pictures. I'm still fiddling, you know, trying to figure out how I want to, uh, uh, how I want to have it either totally black and white or, um, uh, a little bit of color. So we'll be doing that. And um, we'll actually be collaborating to do a more full look, have a more full look produced on the U.S. men's national team uh, originating from 
anything but ringers. Cause you know, I just think that, that, that paper that he wrote was absolutely essential for understanding uh, American soccer in the 1920s and building up to that team uh, and what we did in 1930. Uh, so I'm so glad that, that he's agreed to, uh, to work with me uh, so that I can infuse all of these little, um, all of these little tidbits and, and great information uh, talking about not only their professional career, but also their family lives. You know, what they did as coaches, uh, maybe uh, what they did for work, uh, how that impacted them. Uh, did they have injuries that were, uh, that were kind of fatal, you know, very, you know, at the end, some of them had injuries, concussions uh, that, that eventually lead to their demise. So, uh, so we will be working together for that and uh, building up to the 2026 World Cup. And thank you so much. So the book is available on Kindle, uh, on, uh, Kindle and uh, Barnes and Noble, WH Smith, uh, Amazon versions. So thank you so much. And I'll turn it back to you. Thanks so much, James. Um, so let's uh, open open it up to uh, questions. I, I see um, a prominent member of the National Soccer Hall of Fame uh, and uh, leaning in. We're going to give the first question, whether he wants to do it or not, to George Brown, James's father, or, or at least a comment. It doesn't have to be a question. It can be a comment. George. That book took years off of my life just answering Jim's myriad of questions. Uh, <clears throat> I have no idea where he got the title, but it's certainly catchy. <laughs> well done, Brian, James. Uh, Brian Bunk. Ah, okay. A great, a great title. Um, yeah. And as far as the family is concerned, uh, the content is excellent. I, we thoroughly enjoyed it. And it looks like it might, I, I think it is factually correct. <laughs> well done. Uh, it, it's been just absolutely wonderful. Uh, the time that we've been able to, to share since 2015, really. Yeah, yes. James, I'm going to ask a question. I mean, this is very much, you know, family history becomes, you know, a region, a country's um national story could you comment on on that going from the very specific and then and then building out because there are other people here who have um family legacies i'm looking at you know bob ganser in the middle of the screen right you know that, what advice or or comment would you have on going from from the family and then out to the national story well i i think that once you've really been able to collect all of those great family memories you know, that, that are just talked about at, at, at funerals, weddings, uh, you know, birthday parties, uh, just, you know, regular get togethers. Uh, and then you decide to organize everything and flesh out those individual careers. But then you, you obviously become uh, interested in the team. And then from the team gets into the league and you know, up and down the East Coast, uh, a bit in the West Coast, but you know, in the Midwest, um, 
and that helps to you invariably become intrigued as to to what it was like to play back then. And you're lucky when you have people like you know Zach's information uh, about the league and and and, and the influences from uh, from Europe, uh, from Great Britain, and the working times and you know in the steel industry um you know in the textile industry on the east coast uh, and then as you move further westward you know we're talking about mining and uh the types of immigrants who were who ended up settling in those regions you know there are more slovaks that, that were in western uh, pennsylvania and they worked in those mines you know um so it's it, you become very interested in um in what uh, what those influences are and how it affects the league and and the sport overall. So I uh, I think it just builds out. It, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, um, depending on your your focus where where you're you're, you're coming from. I'm gonna open this up to uh, to other folks for questions uh, or comments. Please fire away. Uh, oh, I see uh, Kevin with his hand up. Kevin. Thanks so much, James. Uh, fantastic to, to listen to how you've put all of this together over over the last, you know, six, six seven years. Um, I, I love the, the fact that you described some of the challenges that you had in, in representing the family history and how that was um, difficult at times, um, particularly with that one incident that you mentioned, you know, being, being banned from family members in Scotland. Um, and so I kind of wanted to pick on that and build on that in, in a broader sense and just get you to tease out some of the other, the other potential surprises or, or issues that you had, because obviously dealing with family history, genealogy, et cetera, is, um, is, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a challenging, um, it's a challenging type of history to do. And I wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit more about how you navigated some of those situations where you were, as you said, you know, you have multiple sides of the story. How did you navigate trying to put together a comprehensive picture where, where you would get, you know, a, a sense of the, of the real, true narrative if you will of what was going on in your family story and 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 at the same time manage and mitigate the possible um issues that made that might generate with family members who would read it so I, i'm kind of curious to pick your brain on that well you know the, it, a lot of our family correspond and exist on facebook we're just very connected uh and that's that that's a great thing and it can be a not so great thing um but that's it. That was the first place where I could go to throw out some of these stories that I've been that I've been talking with my dad about, you know, and that was absolutely uh, important because you have uh, the the people who are who were who you're talking about and their fathers or or, or sons or uncles. So you have grand you have grandsons and. The idea is to be able to throw it out, get feedback, go back to the person, you know, like for the most part, it was my dad, um, you know, uh, and say, okay, here's what I've got. What do you think about this? Are, are, are there ways that it needs to be treated, tweaked a bit? 
so you kind of you kind of soften it, soften the story that don't make it so hard or, or brutal. Um, and then after all of that work together, I would that is the that's that rough draft that I was able to throw out to the relative and say, OK, here's what I've come up with. Let me know your thoughts. So I kept my draft. Then he or she would come back with information about himself or, or about his father or uh, about his, his grandfather. Uh, and they would come back with their version. And then I would go through everything. So that is a very, it's a very um, secure way of being able to transform whatever story is a little bit delicate uh, into a comfortable way to present it in a family book because everybody's impacted and everybody's got their word, you know, they're, they're saying there's, you're not going to please everybody. But if I felt that I had a majority uh, of, uh, you know, who were saying, this is really how it happened, then, okay, I'm going to go with that. So that's what I did. I, I, I trusted my instincts and I trusted my dad, but also say, you know what? If all this stuff is wrong, that's on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, James. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I got the recordings to prove it. That's wonderful. Uh, over to Chuck Carlson, who has a question. Uh, hey, Chuck, how you doing? <laughs> James, thank you very much. That was fantastic. I have a sort of a specific research-related question, which is when you're doing the oral interviews that you do, do you ask the same questions do you like have a list exactly for your interviewees or do you tailor it to the individual? And then secondly, do you have examples of some questions that have elicited particularly good answers? So thanks. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, Chuck, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed the, you know, that, that uh, Gillespie adventure, uh, you know, and, and I know that you and I will be uh, uh, collaborating you know, when you go back to the library in, in Southern Illinois. Um, I do. I will still get those photos to you. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> whenever. That's it. I'm good. Um, I never I never had a specific list. It was really tailored to the person and their career. But I spent enough time outlining what their career was, having the bullet points. Uh, and if I came across specific moments, then... I would stick those in between those bullet points that I had, uh, talking about a, a specific time in their life, uh, whether it was their, their football career, their soccer career, or uh, their regular career. You know, we talked about James Gentle uh, and, and him going over in World War II uh, to help liberate France and, uh, and, and portions of Italy in the southern, uh, in, in the southeast uh, of France and then into Italy. Uh, so he was uh, with a regiment that was uh, very instrumental uh, in paving the way for, uh, for a smooth uh, transition and liberation. Um, you know, because I, what I would be doing is I would be going to certain people who would be able to help me verify this information. Like with James, I had to go and talk with people who were on a Facebook uh, community that dealt with that specific regimen, and even eventually going to the base itself. 
and saying, hey, here's the information I have about this person. How is it? Am I, am I, am I off base? Uh, if, if Sometimes it's the person that actually kind of builds it up to be more than it really is. You know, that, but you know, that's just the way people are. And, uh, and they take a story and they run with it, you know, and it, and they say it enough times, it becomes fact, you know, they're like politicians, right? You repeat it over and over, it just becomes fact. So, uh, so that, that was an interesting situation that I had to come up with to, to go against because I couldn't talk to relatives from James Gentle and um, Custis Swope, uh, who's 90, he can only tell me what he was told by James. And apparently James was, had always carried this, this article, uh, this World War II article that was, uh, that was written about what he had done. Um, and so he'd pull it out of his wallet and he'd show the people, you know, you don't believe me, there you go, take a look at it. It's in printed word, you know? So, so that was really interesting, but he could only tell me what he knew. So I knew I had to go a lot deeper and a lot farther in these Facebook groups, army Facebook groups. I even bought a book, uh, you know, it's, uh, that just came in, uh, hoping to find any pictures that might show him. Uh, and that's really difficult because for the moment, I haven't been able to, to, uh, to find that. But that's just an example. Uh, of how I've had to dealt with uh, certain situations within, uh, you know, uh, within the structured uh, questions that I had, and then more questions that came about uh, over time. And any specific questions you can think of that were particularly helpful in eliciting information? I actually played off of interviews from other people to go back to the original, to the people we were talking about. But, you know, so all these relatives of my cousin, they would tell me all these things. So I'd make notes about, about certain specific uh, information. And then I would go, I'd circle back around to that, uh, to that relative, to his cousin, Peter, and said, here's what I heard about this situation. What do you think about it? But, and it was interesting to, I wouldn't tell them everything, and I wanted to see. I wanted to see what I could pull out of them, to to get his version, you know. So you know, the, sometimes the real version and the version that that uh, that we've created and that we have moved with in life, uh, day in and day out, uh, that just becomes you know, it's written in stone. So. I have one last one, um, Zach. You know, this is very much uh, a collaboration uh, kind of rooted in, in SASH, in, yeah. in our society and the collegiality uh, that we like to build. Uh, any comments on that experience and, you know, go going forward, um, you know, linking it maybe to the society and, and, and what our aims and goals are, which I think, James, not to answer the question um, you know, but he's very much a living embodiment of, of, of some of the, you know, the, the central things that the society tries to accomplish. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I first, James and I first came into contact with each other five years ago at this point, I think, um, four or five years ago. It's been a while. 
Um, and, you know, I think it speaks to exactly what we try to do with Sash, you know, is link up people who are telling the same stories with one another. The, the fact is, is for any historian, you're not, you're never going to get a full story, but you're trying to get the fullest story possible. You're trying, just like James said, you're trying to pull in all these different narratives and get some, you know, this perspective, that perspective and weave it all together. And I think it's that collaborative spirit in Sash that's really important for pushing forward um, what we understand about American soccer history. Uh, because when I first started doing this work, um, I was an undergrad student. You know, the paper James alluded to was something I did as an undergraduate capstone project. It was something I had to do as one of my requirements to get my undergrad degree in history. And, um, you know, it, it grew out of several people contacting me who do this work as well, um, having seen sort of that pre-publication draft and said, you really need to submit this to soccer and society. You need to go present this at a couple different conferences. Um, so I think really so much of this work is, con you know, we're building it on the successes of, you know, people like James's grandfather and all, all of those, uh, men who competed on the 1930 team. And that's why I'm excited to tell those stories is because I think, you know, whether it's that or, you know, another collaborative project that that's born out of the spirit of Sash is the recent uh, anthology that came out. We had the chance to talk with uh, George Cusis and Chris Bolzman. I think George is actually on this uh, meeting but, you know, kind of looking at that pre-World War One history, it, it, it's getting those stories out there that's uh, that's critical. And so getting to work with James has always been a pleasure. Um, you know, I, I, I was really happy to be able to bring my services, um, you know, my experience as an editor over the years to this project. Um because James brought so much amazing material together. And I, I, you know, I think we were able to do justice to that story in how we, um, you know, organized it, how we cleaned it up, how we, you know, as he said, how we weave together those different stories. Um, and, and so I was really excited to work on this project and, um, I'm really excited to continue working kind of more from the outset in the project because I came in at a late point on this after he'd produced all of that content and done all of that research. And, um, you know, I could say, go get more research on this or that. Like he said, rugby was a little bit leaner in that first draft than it became in the final project. And I think, um, you know, kind of telling the story of a family's history across multiple football codes and across multiple continents. Um, that was the original goal that James brought to this project. Um, I think in its first draft, it, it wasn't there yet. And, uh, and so I think just the fact that we have that 
you know, that ability to collaborate and that ability to, um, I think when you build up those relationships, you can also be really honest and say this, that, and the other thing or what's missing. And until you get that, this isn't a complete project. Um, so I'm excited to continue doing that and, and drawing out the stories of everybody on that 1930 team. Um, because that's work, as I said, that grew out of kind of a, a love of soccer, you know, that, that that's been there since I was a kid and, um, you know, was something where my history, the professor teaching that capstone course in, in the history department at the university of Oregon said, sure, you can tell that, you know, sure. You can look into that further. And that was the light bulb going off in my head that said, Hey, I can actually look at, at sport and how this impacts society and how society in turn impacts sport. Um, because I think that's really what James captures with this is this is a, a family's, um, integration with, um, you know, the various societies in which they've lived, um, not, you know, um, you know, sort of the immigrant story, sort of how families um, diverge across the globe. It, it really speaks to sort of the the confluence of factors that drew people all across um, the world during the, the 20th century, especially. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to continue taking that forward. And, you know, I've worked with so many of you in one guise or another over the years, I, I'm, you know, if you ever need anything from me, do reach out because I, I, this is what we live to do this work for. Excuse me, Tom. Yes, George. Uh, would you, I have to leave, unfortunately, but would you do me a personal favor? Yes. Would, would you, would you explain to my son what different time zones are? <laughs> he can hear you right now i know exactly what you're talking about he, he's like a, a vampire he doesn't sleep right i mean he he's up all the time trying to slay the soccer history uh you know whatever i'm mixing my metaphors but uh yes thank you why don't we why don't we end on on that note james thank you for for joining us here um, and, you know, again, just a, a wonderful uh, contribution to the historiography. And I, I, I think, you know, for all of us in the society, even better that, you know, Zach, you know, helped you and others helped you along uh, your journey. So uh, here's to further scholarship. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, everybody.